I'm very grateful to be here with you. I thank you for praying with me for the school. It's definitely a full speed season. Our, our teachers will start in two weeks, so we're preparing all the orientation. It's unique this year. This is a, We now have the ability through our relationship with Charleston Southern, the way it works in the State Department and visa world, we can actually sponsor visas for international teachers to come. So we've, we've sponsored four international teachers, two are singles, one's a couple, and one's a family of five, and we're bringing them here. And so I, I, I share that as a praise, but also that you would be aware of our needs. We're looking for housing. We're looking for cars. If you know someone who has a car, they just keep in the garage all the time. Uh, we're looking for people if they just want to share a meal as they arrive to a new country, uh, have a meal there for them, or if you want to invite them to a meal. They're going to be starting from scratch. They're believers. They're going to be looking for a church. Um, so if you'd like to have more information, maybe how you could help us onboard a couple of these or one of these new teachers, uh, I'd love to just share that need and expect God's going to provide. Psalms 46. I'm entitled this message, Fortressing Your Mind. The last time I had the opportunity to be with you, we were in Acts. It was Acts 13, and, and there was this roller coaster. It's like every time something good happened, right around the corner, something bad happened. Just when the gospel gets traction, persecution heats up. Just when the, the church gets established, Paul gets kicked out of the region. Do you, do you find yourself often worried about, is there something bad that's about to happen around the corner? Kind of like a monster in the closet. Do you find yourself worrying about worrying? Um, raise your hand if this past week you experienced some kind of stress. Okay. I'm, I'm raising both. Raise both hands if you need to. Okay. Winston Churchill, right? The prime minister of England during World War II. Towards the end of his life, he makes this comment. When I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which never happened. You hear the punchline there? Man, we worry about so many things that actually never even happen. I found myself two weeks ago, we're on a family vacation, and I wanted to stay on top of work email. So I, I was trying to carve out a little bit of time each day to, to, to do some email, and I found myself getting stressed. And if I could name it was this fear of maybe one of those emails that I would open up would beareth bad tidings, which would then mess with me the whole day, undermining the family vacation. And so I'm, I'm actually getting worried about the potential hypothetical worry. And so I, I finally just try to stop and I, I try to try to just, just pray. And um, I actually felt the Lord meet with me, and I felt like he kind of allowed me to see something. And, and basically, it's this idea of 
you know, work is indeed a battle. And I can approach the battle in one of two ways. One way to approach the battle would be, hey, enter, enter the battle paranoid, fearing what arrow is going to strike next. Or B, enter the battle knowing it's a battle and that we're more than conquerors. So there will be arrows that fly by today. That's just part of advancing a kingdom of light in a world of darkness. It's a battle either way, but how do I go into the battle? It's two different mindsets. The first mindset says there's an outside battle, and it can come and bring its battle inside of me and take my peace away. Or the second mindset says the peace inside of me I can take to the outside battle. What's happening in your day-to-day? Is the outside war coming inside of you, or is the inside peace of Christ engaging the outside war? How do we fortress our minds? And that Jesus would be our refuge and our strength. Before I get to Psalms 46, there's been another Psalms that's been on my heart this month. I'm trying to memorize part of it. It goes like this. Your God has commanded your strength. God has commanded you to be strong. It says, your God has commanded your strength. Oh God, show yourself strong on behalf of those who do your work. God commands you to be strong, just like he commanded Joshua Be strong and courageous. He commands you to be strong because you're in a battle. Let me continue the chapter. It says this, to him who rides on the highest heavens, those which have been formed since ancient times, behold, he speaks forth his voice, his mighty voice, ascribe strength to God. His majesty is over Israel and his strength is in the skies. Oh God, you are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel himself gives strength and power to the people. Blessed be God. The reality is there is a cosmic battle between light and darkness and you are in it. Where you live, if you work, in your family, in your relationships, you're in a cosmic battle. How do you engage? You engage with paranoia, fear, unprepared? Are you battle ready behind the king of the universe? How do we fortress our minds? I don't know if Psalms 46 will be behind me. If it's not, uh, please uh, look at, read with me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the whole chapter, Psalms 46, and then we'll go back and kind of parse it out. But I, I really encourage you to open your Bibles and read chapter 46 with me. I'll give you 15 seconds to pull that up. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth 
gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, the bow, and shatters a spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Holmes Avenue, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Before I jump into parsing it out, do you at least see this? Uh, God's a refuge, war, holy habitation of God, war. God is our fortress. You, you, you feel that flow? Does it kind of resonate your past week? <laughs> Start off. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Why these three things? Refuge, strength, help. Go to Brian's sports analogies. On, on, there's a defense and offense here. There's a refuge for you to hide and be protected in. There's also strength for you to go out and conquer in. And there's just this reminder of when it really gets desperate, he doesn't abandon us. He's very present the more dangerous it gets. Don't forget that. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. 3, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Why, why this imagery, right? Foaming, roaring waters, crashing mountains. Pretty ap- apocalyptic, right? The world around us is chaotic. In a little bit, I want to share a story that, from a book my, my son is reading that really unpacks this chaos. But right now, I, I, want to, I want to show chaos to another way I think you'll really remember. My son and I have a hobby. I have one son. He's my nine-year-old, my oldest. Then I've got an eight, almost seven, and two-year-old daughters. My son and I, we used to love to fish, up until about two and a half years ago, and that's the day I caught a 55-pounder. My seven-year-old son weighed 55 pounds that day. I caught him. Long story short, we had to change hobbies. 
so fossil hunting is less violent. I don't know if you know this. A nursery ground in the marine world is that's where like the 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 mother marine life goes and has its offspring and it's kind of a protected world for that offspring until they get a little bit bigger. Did you know that Charleston was the nursery ground for the megalodon shark? Raise your hand if you knew that. Okay, right there, one. So did you also know that sharks lose a lot of their teeth? What we do is we, we look for retention pond digs. When I'm driving, I'm doing this. My son's, he's my helper. We could be doing anything. We, retention pond dig, we'll try to get out. And we'll, because what sometimes happens in this area, uh, the fossil layer will be more shallow, and a retention pond dig can actually dig into the fossil layer. And then what these developments will then do is they'll take that dirt and spread it across this, this land that they just cleared to pad lots to where they'll put new houses or buildings. And then when it rains, like it just did a couple minutes ago, I was aware of it. We like rain in the fossil hunting world. What happens is dirt kind of goes down and rocks and stuff start to poke up through it. And so you got this little window before you start building houses that go out after rain and, and walk and get extremely muddy. But this is what's interesting. This is where I'm going to tie it back into where we're going with Psalms 46. As more and more rock and sediment surfaces... It can be thousands and thousands. And it's, it's always this amorphous coral, broken rocks. It's, it's, it's a product of erosion. It's, it's just something that over time, it, it's, it's just it's destroyed. And so somehow, as we're working, walking across thousands and thousands of rocks, we've trained our eyes to look for straight edges or circles. Straight edges could be bones, teeth, the circles. Anybody want to guess what a circle would be? Vertebrae. But it's just so interesting that the things that are products of destruction, of erosion, of accidents over time, they're not designed. They're just random. But then when you come across a straight edge like this, we might only see this much poking through the sand. We say, that looks different. That's been designed. It's not the product of destruction and erosion. A designer, and you can actually still feel the, 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 the little almost like knife-like teeth that come out of the te- this tooth of this megalodon shark found here in Charleston. But just interesting that even when we do this, every time it leads me to worship God, that in this chaos of thousands of years of history, we're going back before Noah. This is all pre-flood matter. In, in all the random destruction, we're looking for design that speaks of an intentional creator. And the same thing's happening in Psalms 46 here. There's chaos. There's destruction, waters roaring, mountains crashing. But then immediately he speaks into this chaos, verses four and five. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. 
God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. Do you see the comparison between the two verses prior and these two verses? It's like this apocalyptic, crashing movie, and then now there's immediately this peace and this happy city that can't be moved, and this stream, stream versus a a raging sea. (laughs) Big difference between the two, right? A river that brings these streams and the happy habitation of the unmovable God and his city all around. And we're about to go back to that tumult in a second, but what it, feel the Psalms. Feel the design, presence of the creator in the midst of the chaos. Kind of like even when we fossil hunt. It's interesting, there's different times scripture talks about this river. Ezekiel 47 and especially Revelation 47, the idea of this, the, the God coming down, making his heaven on earth, abiding with his people, and, and it's, this, it's this now eternal heavenly presence with God. That's not quite what's happened in Psalm 46. Psalm 46 isn't Revelation 22 after the war is over which is awesome hoping for. We know that's going to happen. Psalms 46 is different. It's saying God is going to make his habitation with us in the middle of the war. Because verses four and five are right in the middle of war on both sides of it in Psalms 46. And that's really, really important for us to hear today because you are in the middle of war. You're going to go back this week to battles. Jesus talks about a river, right? John 7, it says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, <laughs> loud voice, he, he's going to make sure everybody hears this one, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. What Psalms 46 is prophesying, Jesus is saying, it's happening now. I've come down into your war. My happy habitation is with those with whom my spirit flows. Like the the good shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He layeth me beside still waters. He's taken us away from the tumultuous sea and saying, I want to put you by the streams of my peaceful, ordered river in the middle of disorder and chaos. Come and let my peace be in you. And doesn't your soul say, I want some of that this morning? Because verse 6 quickly reminds us the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. Oh, but he's going to utter his voice into that and the earth will melt. May the oasis of verses 4 and 5 be fortressing courage to your soul this morning because you will need it tomorrow. Undoubtedly, you have either just 
walk through raging seas, you're walking through raging seas, or you will be walking through raging seas. So stop worrying about whether it's going to happen or not. It will happen. But that rage on the outside is different on what's on your inside. It says the nations will raging. I don't know if you've read the news any time in the last 10 years, but I think you can say amen to that one. Hear this, church. God has not abandoned us. God does not leave us without a refuge. Oh, God, you are my refuge and my strength. You're a very present help in the time of trouble. He doesn't abandon us when it gets hard. He's very present in those moments. The unmovable God pours out his eternal spirit upon everyone who seek him. You see, what Hope did this morning, she's beginning a journey where she's experiencing the eternal salvation of God for all eternity being reconciled to the Father through Jesus Christ. But don't miss that. That salvation is meant for your every day until then. The Lord is mighty to save you today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Salvation isn't this eternal fire insurance. Salvation is you right now. You need the gospel as you're dealing with a broken relationship. You need the gospel as you're dealing with a health crisis. You need the gospel when you have financial insecurities. You need the gospel constantly because you are in trouble and you need a present help that's greater than you. What hope is starting isn't waiting for something in the future. She's starting her walk tomorrow on Monday, being saved in whatever present trouble she has when she needs a present help. How do we know you stand secure in your eternal salvation? Because you're experiencing Monday salvation and Tuesday salvation. You need that ever-present help in trouble. You need that refuge. You need that strength because there's a tumultuous world that rages. Oh, but there's a God who's got a happy habitation that wants to pour out his rivers of spirit into your soul on Monday. I need Jesus to fortress my thoughts. Two weeks ago when I'm getting stressed out about the potential of a worry, I need to fortress my thoughts. I find myself, when I'm unprepared, hoping for battle-free days. You ever just find yourself hoping for a battle-free day? I just hope everything goes right today. You ever find yourself hoping for a battle-free life? I'm just kind of done with that. I'm ready for a new stage. I just want a battle-free life. Let me just say, I'm guilty of that, but let me say it's naive, ignorant, ignorant, and stupid. That's like a soldier in the middle of a war going out to a firefight and saying, I hope nobody shoots today. We're in a battle. The, the sea rages. Mountains do crash. Oh, but God is making his habitation with those who seek him. Acts 17 says it like this. He doesn't need human hands to serve him. He made us at our times and our places for our tumults and our rages. Not that he needs us to serve him, but he says that we would seek him, that we would find that he's not far off. The raging seas actually are a good thing to push us 
to the happy habitation of our great Savior. In another Psalms this week, it was saying, God's wrath is being poured out against Jacob. And it says, because of what Jacob did. And I'm thinking, oh, I know what the next verse is going to say. It's going to say, because Jacob married people who were outside of Israel, or because Jacob committed adultery, or because Jacob uh, served idols, right? That's what I thought would be why God's pouring out his wrath. You know what the next verse actually said? It said, he's pouring out the wrath against Israel because they don't trust the saving power of God. Whom's Avenue? Do we trust the saving power of God in the middle of the rage, or do we just want to hope there's no battles and get surprised every time a new arrow hits us. My children, uh, my oldest is reading this book. It's a series of four. It's called The Prince Warriors. I recommend it for every age. I'm now catching up to them, and every book speaks directly to me. But it, it's these children, and, and I don't want to steal too much of it, but they, they at different times go into the spirit world and there's real battles and 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 the, the the figure that resembles Jesus is equipping them for armor in the battles and they're learning through the hard knocks and, and different things to trust in Jesus and to wear this armor into the battle and there's so many of these scenes I'm like oh man that fits my life there's this one scene to where they're now going to cross the bridge from from Jesus's land basically into the the land of the enemy and they're going over this bridge, and under the bridge, it's this, this is abyss, and it's chaotic, and it's disordered. But if they can keep their eyes on, on, on the Christ figure in front, it's light. And as long as they're looking at the light, they're focused, and there's not fear, and they move forward. But the second they look down, they become undone with fear. Let me, let me, let me just read a little bit of it. Brianna opened her eyes and tried to focus on the light. She teetered a bit before regaining her balance, her step reappearing. Levi took a breath of relief, but then he heard a cry behind him, Evan. Evan was so distracted by the ants. Ants are bad fighting things of the enemy, flying fighting things. And when he tried to take a step and there was no stone under his foot at all, he started falling and screamed in terror, lurching forward and clutching at one of Levi's boots. He managed to hang on with one arm, his body dangling helplessly. Levi reached down to grab Evan's arm as it clutched his boot, still trying to stay focused on the light. Evan, shouted Levi, hang on. Evan threw his other arm around Levi's boot, swinging his legs up to catch the stone, but he couldn't get a foothold. Help, Evan cried. Brianna reached back to grab Levi's belt to give him more leverage, flailing at the ends with her free arm. Go away, she yelled. She took her eyes off the light and she fought the ends and her step began to fade. She cried out, wobbling dangerously. Xavier stole a glance behind him and saw Brianna about to fall. He reached back to steady her. Look up, he shouted. Then he took a step backward to the step Brianna was on. It began to solidify. Brianna righted herself, gasping. Don't look at the ends and don't look down, whatever you do, he told her. 
She nodded, refocusing, steadying her breathing. She took a step forward to the next stone, looking to the light. That relational issue, that finance issue, that health issue, that future decision issue, you, you know when your mind starts getting to those cycles, whether it's at two in the morning or two at night, and all of a sudden you're getting worked up. Man, if we could just, that second we start getting worked up, may that be the trigger to say, where are your eyes? Are you looking into the chaos? It will bring disorder. Are you looking to the light? It will bring order. If you're looking to the chaos, it will rage. If you look to the light, it will bring peace. I, it just makes me think of that story of Peter trying to walk on the water to Jesus, right? If he, walk, if he looks at Jesus, he's walking on the water. He looks at the waves. What happens? He, he's flailing and drowning just like Evan in this story. Man, the time we start getting stressed out, instead of wallowing in the stress, may that be our trigger to say, I'm not looking, help me look back at you, Jesus. Why would I live in raging waters when I can be set next to still streams? Is the outside battle spreading into your inside? Or is the spirit and his peace spreading to your outside battles? What's happening in your wars? You know the answer. My son, from time to time, he's almost exactly Hope's age. He says this, Dad, I have butterflies in my stomach. Happens at night. He starts to feel insecure and nervous. And the other day, I just felt led to tell him, I said, give thanks to God for those butterflies because they're reminding you that you desperately need him. That's a healthy place to be. You ever thought that maybe those battles that we're afraid of, those arrows that we wanted to avoid are actually, they can be used to push you right back to Jesus? The tests you will experience this week could actually be blessings. The missionary Hudson Taylor in China in the mid-1800s, he said it like this. He said, ill or bad things, that, that's the thing we're afraid of and we stress out about, bad things, right? He calls it ill. He says, ill that God has not blessed is not your good. And he says, good, let me reword that, ill that God has blessed is your good. So bad things that he's blessed, he's using for your good. Ill that God has blessed is your good. Good things that God has not blessed is your ill. Maybe some of the tumults around you are actually things to just take you back to Christ. It's okay, son, if you got some butterflies. Give thanks to those because that will push you to Christ. During that vacation, and I'm trying to pray and struggle, uh, my principal sent me a video. And here, here's a summary of the video. It's about a quote from the founder of Dubai, Sheikh Rashid. This is really interesting. He says this, my grandfather rode a camel. My father rode a camel. I ride a Mercedes. My son rides a Land Rover. 
My grandson is going to ride a Land Rover, but my great-grandson is going to ride a camel again. Now he explains it. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create difficult times. Many will not understand it, but you have to raise warriors, not parasites. You know, this American dream mirage wants us to just want the easy life. But you know what easy lives do? They make weak men and women. Ill that God has blessed is your good. The battles that you are facing, have you ever thought that it's your good? It pushes you to Christ. It strengthens you. Oh God, be my refuge and be my strength and be my ever-present help in danger. He's using that danger to strengthen you. That, that, that mirage, we, oh, man, I, I just hope there's no battles anymore. I just want easy times. Well, guess what? That's a bad hope because easy times make weak men and women. You ever thought that God uses the wars around us to strengthen us? May he fortress our minds. In my last sermon, I exhorted you to listen to a podcast. Please write this down. If you don't write anything else down, this is your homework. You, you will thank me. I've yet to recommend this, and the person didn't thank me. Google Podcasts Maverick Pioneers. It's about a Muslim that came to Christ. And you're going to see right now, 2022, the book of Acts unfold in North Africa. Incredible miracles incredible suffering. His name is Bashara. I think they give us a false name because they don't want to give away his identity. He's in a dangerous country. He experiences incredible suffering. As the, he comes to Christ miraculously, and as he does, he, he experiences deep persecution from his own family. He experiences loved ones who are killed And it all happens within two, three months after accepting Christ. And instead of running, instead of snapping, instead of succumbing to a mental illness, he's being strengthened in Christ right now in 2022. We need to hear stories like that. We need to hear of the fortressing our minds outside of the American dream sometimes to give us some smelling salts to wake up. I promise you, you will want to listen to this. Maverick. It's a podcast, Pioneers. You can listen to it. They're 15-minute podcasts. Listen to work. You end up not going into work because you want to listen to the next episode. They make a comment. After his mom has died, his twin brother just came to Christ and is murdered by his older brother, and his dad is now violently torturing and persecuting him. They make this comment about him. It's like, how did he not snap and walk away from the faith? He's only become a Christian just months ago. And they say the following. It's from the Beatitudes. They say, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The deeper the travails you go through, the deeper encounters with the comfort of the Holy Spirit you will discover. 
these deep battles you're fearing right now, God might use that to take you more deeply into the walk with him through the streams and rivers of the Holy Spirit than you could ever imagine. Don't be afraid anymore. Don't be afraid anymore. Don't be afraid anymore. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The high heavens can't contain this God. The farthest galaxies, the ends of all the universe can't contain this God, and he's with us this morning. You don't need to be afraid anymore. He's your fortress. The great king of the universe is your fortress. So fortress your mind. Here are the main points. One, recognize a battle surrounds you. You will go into battle this week. Two, recognize that his kingdom is here. The king's spirit is here. Three, identify whether your thoughts are chaotic or peaceful. That's going to be the litmus test if your eyes are on him or on the raging waters. Four, chaotic feelings and thoughts must drive you to his fortress. Run to him when you're going into that vicious mind cycle of worries. Five, to do that, you must still yourself in his presence. You got to stop in this moving world. You got to stop, get on your knees, and just seek him. And use, use Psalms 46 to help still yourself. And then after you've done all that, it will lead you to praise this galaxy, star-breathing, infinite, good king of righteousness who's powerful to save. And when you praise him, that's what fortresses your mind. Why are you going to fear when he's on your team? Better said you're on his team. I have so much more I want to say, but I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Friends, as it says in Psalm 46, the morning will dawn. There will be a day when there's not raging waters and we'll just be where he brings his kingdom and we we abide with him. But right now, we're in the battle. But you don't have to be afraid because the king of the universe is here and he makes his holy, happy habitation for those who seek him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, these are great words of hope from Psalm 46 because I, have to, I do not have to convince anyone that battles rage. We need to know that you are in the midst welcoming us to be with you, that your peace can fill us and engage the battle around us versus the battle fill us. May Holmes Avenue, may we be a people of peace where your rivers of spirit fill us instead of the battles filling us. And may we take your peace as light to destroy the surrounding darkness. To him who rides upon the highest heavens, which are from ancient times, speaks forth your voice, your mighty voice. We ascribe strength to you, God. Your majesty is over. Majesty is over Holmes Baptist. Your strength is in the skies. Oh God, you are awesome from your sanctuary. God of Israel, yourself, you give us strength and power. And we bless your name.
Amen.